Welcome to Baby Snugs and Coffee Mugs. I'm Krista. And I'm Kelsey. We're both labor and delivery nurses from Minnesota. In this podcast, we'll be covering all things pregnancy, delivering in the hospital, and caring for yourself and baby postpartum. This podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only, so please seek medical advice from your healthcare provider. We are so excited for you to join us, so grab your coffee, snuggle up, and keep on listening. Cheers! Cheers! All right, everybody, welcome back to Snugs and Mugs, episode three. Welcome to third trimester. It is the final stretch for you guys, so hopefully we're just going to go right on into smooth sailing here. Um, Picking up with appointments still, we're still going to touch base on appointments. Um, You still have a couple every four-week ones. It's going to turn into every two, then every one, and we'll go through each of those. Starting with 28 weeks, um, one of the first things they're going to do is um, have you do a glucose tolerance test, check you for gestational diabetes. Krista, of course, has her records pulled up again, so she's going to just go into a little bit more depth with that. Yeah, so um, like Kelsey said, they start with the glucose tolerance test. So um, depending on if there's a lab in your clinic or not, um, what they'll have you do is show up to the lab first and you drink this really, really terrible (laughs) sugar drink. Um, It has 50 grams of glucose in it. Straight sugar. It is beyond terrible. There's like a couple flavors and I have had every flavor and I think they are all horrible. (laughs) So I think maybe if you have a sweet tooth, like you might like it, but oh, no, thank you for me. Um, So yeah, so you drink this um, drink from the minute that you finish the drink, which I believe they have you drink it within five minutes. So it's very quick. Um, You will get your blood glucose drawn um, via a lab draw one hour later. So for our um, our clinic, you do your lab and then you actually go over to your appointment. If you finish your appointment before that hour, you just go back to the lab. Um, if not, then the lab comes and finds you to do that lab draw. Um, so for your one hour glucose tolerance test, um, you are able to eat breakfast. They actually encourage you to eat something, but you should not eat anything like high sugar um, or high carb or anything. So kind of more of like a a subtle breakfast um, or lunch, depending on what time your appointment's okay. at. Um, and then um, go to the lab after that. Um, once you get your results back, um, which most likely will not happen until you are home, what the goal is, is you want that blood glucose level to be below 140. Okay. And then you're good. Yep. And then you're good for the rest of the pregnancy. Um, if you are above that 140 mark, um, there's kind of a few things that could go on. One, um, you could be so high above it that they just diagnose you with gestational diabetes. Um, and then you will make an appointment with with the endocrinologist. Um, second option would be them sending you in a future week, um, to do a three hour glucose tolerance test. Um, and then the third thing they might have you do is just track your blood sugars for like a week, which again, you would have to meet with an endocrinologist to discuss how to do those things. Um, so if the option is doing the three hour glucose tolerance test, um, most likely it's like a week later and you basically end up sitting at the hospital for like four hours (laughs) or the clinic. Um, yeah. So this one has to be fasting. So make your appointment in the morning. (laughs) You don't get to eat. early as you can. Yes. Um, So I actually had to do this with one of mine, and it is awful. (laughs) Um, So you go in, you haven't eaten anything. Um, They take your blood sugar before anything. So a fasting blood sugar means you haven't eaten or drank anything but water. Um, That fasting blood sugar, they want it to be below 95. 
Then you drink that same sugary drink that you had the other time, but it's double the amount of sugar. <laughs> so if you thought the last one was sweet, this one's going to put that one to shame. <laughs> um, so you drink all of that again within five minutes, and then you literally sit there for three hours. So I would bring a book, bring a friend, I don't know, bring something to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess we all have smartphones, so that's an option too, but... So you will get your blood glucose drawn three separate times after that. So one hour after you finish your drink, two hours, and three hours. Um, so the kind of those reference goals for your blood sugar would be at the first hour, less than 180, second hour, less than 155, and third hour, less than 140. Okay. So hopefully you have some good veins. Yes. And that you're an easy lab draw. Yes, exactly. Yikes. I didn't realize all that. Yeah. And if you throw up, they... Don't count it because you threw up the drink. Oh, no. And you don't absorb the glucose. Um, I was very, very close to throwing up when I did mine, but I was sitting there between, it was between hour two and three, and I just started getting sweaty, and I was like, okay, I'm either going to throw up or I'm going to pass out. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, like, was like, okay, I'm not passing out in front of a bunch of people, right? So don't do this. But my plan was to get to the bathroom, right? So I start walking over to the bathroom and I just start blacking out. I was like, oh no. So I like found a wall and like slid myself down the wall and like just kind of blacked out for a few minutes. Don't do that, guys. Do not do that. Tell somebody if you do not feel good, okay? This is a terrible idea, but I'm a nurse and I feel like we're the worst at doing that kind of stuff, right? Anyways, I was fine. I like, I just felt really nauseous, but like my three hour result was really low. So like my blood sugar like tanked basically. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, oh, no. Yeah, it was zero fun. So, basically, don't pass out and hold back your puke. Yeah. Yep. So, you do not have to do that again. And then on the way home, I'm like, I'm getting Mickey D's because either I will not have another good meal for the rest of my pregnancy or I'm celebrating feeling awful. <laughs> Those are my options. Oh, my gosh. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. So, if you do fail... Out of those four glucose results, if you fail two of those, they will diagnose you with gestational diabetes. If you fail one, it kind of is like an iffy situation. Like if you barely fail, they might just pass you. They might have you redo it. They might have you um, check your blood sugars. It just kind of depends on your provider. Definitely provider-based. And you guys, if you are diagnosed with gestational diabetes, um, we will have a separate video explaining more into depth what it is because it is, it'll entail so much for you and it's unfortunate, but it is to keep you and your baby safe. Exactly. Um, so after that whole fiasco of your blood <laughs> glucose test, um, other things are going to talk to you at your 28-week visit. Um, they're going to look at your blood type. So um, when they look at your blood type, what they're looking for is that negative or positive aspect of your blood type. That is called your RH factor. So for me, I am O positive. Um, anybody who has a negative blood type needs a shot called Rogam, mm -hmm. as you know. So um, what Rogam is um, basically is... Um, it's a factor that will, um, it's like an antigen that will be found on your red blood cells. So if you have this antigen on your red blood cells, um, it can potentially harm your fetus. Um, at this point, you don't know what your baby's blood type is. Right. So because you have a negative blood type, you are given Rogam at 28 weeks. Um, fast forward to having the baby. Once your baby is born, you will also have your baby's blood drawn or through the cord. They mm -hmm. don't actually take blood from your baby. They will take blood from the cord and they will sample your baby's cord blood to see what blood type they are. If your baby has a negative blood type just like you, nothing happens, nothing different. If your baby has a positive blood type, which would be from dad, 
Um, then you would also need a shot of Rogam after you have the baby. And that is to protect next pregnancy. Yes. So your antibodies that you have formed are not attacking. Yes, exactly. So in pregnancy, you get it because you don't want your antibodies to attack your fetus while you're pregnant. The one you get after delivery is to protect your body from making antibodies to harm a future fetus. Yes. So both shots are very, very, very important. Um, and then the other thing um, that you will do at this visit or around this visit is you will be getting what is called a Tdap vaccine. Yes, I'm sure you guys have all heard of it. Um, it is tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. However, you are receiving it during pregnancy for the pertussis aspect of it, and I'll let you explain that. Into yeah. So pertussis is another word for whooping cough. I feel like that's people have heard that before. Um, so basically, you want to get this every single pregnancy between 27 and 36 weeks. Um, so the vaccine, what it's going to do is it's going to give the mom pertussis antibodies to transfer to the baby and protect the baby from catching pertussis in the first few months of the baby's life. So it has the antibodies from the mom's vaccine. Okay. Um, it also is going to protect the mom from getting it and um, in turn passing it to the baby once the baby's born. Um, it's also recommended that the significant other or anyone who's going to be in really close contact with the baby in those first few months until the baby can receive their first Tdap vaccine, mm -hmm. um, have them get it as well because they can also pass it to the baby. Yeah. And if I'm remembering right, your husband got it with each pregnancy? Yes. Yep, or like once they were born? Um, he got it while I was pregnant. Okay. Because they ideally want that few weeks for your antibodies to build up. Yeah. So yeah, when okay. I got it, he got it like within the next few weeks. Awesome. So... Um, that kind of wraps up our 38-week visit. 28 weeks. Yep, 28-week visit. <laughs> you are jumping ahead. Yeah, we're almost done. <laughs> um, which then, yeah, brings us to then 32 weeks. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. So now we're at 32 weeks. This is going to be our last four-week jump that we have between visits. Okay. And again, just a reminder, this is all like normal, healthy pregnancy. Everything's going as planned and as expected, and your provider's not telling you you need extra visits, mm -hmm. right? So we're at our 32 weeks. Um, so same thing with every visit at this point. We're doing our vital signs. We're checking that blood pressure. Um, they're checking the baby's heart tones. They're checking your weight. All those things are going to happen at every single visit. Um, at this visit, I feel like there are a multitude of reasons why people need a either repeat ultrasound or a growth ultrasound. Um, this is typically the visit or the week, I guess I should say, because you don't always get your ultrasound at your clinic, um, that you're going to have this growth ultrasound done. Okay, if needed. If it is needed, yep. yes. So two out of the three pregnancies that I have had, I have needed a growth ultrasound. My first pregnancy, we had our anatomy scan at 20 weeks and no other ultrasounds. Okay. Um, so there are different reasons why you would need an ultrasound at 32 weeks. Um, it could be gestational diabetes for the growth. Um, for me, um, one of my pregnancies, I had a two-vessel umbilical cord versus three vessels, which is normal. Um, and then my third pregnancy, I had a marginal cord insertion, which for the, those who don't know, just means your cord is attached to the placenta more towards the side versus in the center where it's supposed to be. So both of those things can cause your babies to be a little bit smaller. So at 32 weeks with both of those babies, I had a growth ultrasound. Okay. Um, so slightly different than your anatomy scan. It's not looking at the full anatomy of the baby because you've already done that. Right. So what it will do, it's going to measure the different body parts of the baby and give you an overall guesstimate of how much your baby weighs and in turn what percentile that makes them. And they're mainly looking at the percentile at this point then. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. weight, I mean, 
it's just obviously going to be a low number when you're looking at it. Right. And then, but they're looking at percentile between 10% and 90%. Exactly. They're wanting to make sure your baby's not too small or too big. Yep. So you want to be in that like center chunk and hopefully not on either one of the extreme ends. If you are, you're going to have some sort of follow-up of ultrasound or something in the future and your provider will plan that out with you. Perfect. Um, So, for example, when I was 32 weeks, my third baby was 3 pounds, 15 ounces, just as a weight for you guys to hear of what potentially your baby's weight could be, and that was 22nd percentile. So, she was a little, little, so you might have, like, a low 4-pound baby at this point. Um, And then, after that, we are now starting our two-week visits. So, you are no longer going every two weeks, you start to go, or every four weeks, you are starting to go every two weeks. Okay. So, from the 32-week visit... We go to the 34-week visit. Okay. This one, as much as I've seen in my records and I've talked with other people, not super exciting. (laughs) They basically just check in. Again, it's important to make sure that blood pressure is stable, your weight is fine, and that the baby's doing okay. So they always are checking the baby's heart rate. Yep. Yep. And then, of course, if anything is abnormal during that time, they will let you know if you need to follow up sooner than 36 weeks, which is the next one. Yeah. So next appointment, 36 weeks. Um, so 36 weeks is another kind of bigger appointment for the third trimester. Um, this is where you are going to get your group beta strep swab. So other name for that is GBS swab. Um, so explaining what a GBS swab is. (laughs) So it's a little Q-tip and, um, the provider will have you lay down on the table. They take the Q-tip, they swab your vagina and they swab down to your rectum. Um, so what... Group B strep is, it is not the strep that causes strep throat, and it is not a sexually transmitted infection. I think that people get a little confused because they're swabbing your vagina thinking that that's what it could be. Yeah, and it's a bacteria in the vaginal canal, so I totally get where that misconception comes in. Right. So, um, group B strep is a normal bacteria that men and women can have in their reproductive tracts um, on and off during their life, Um, and it's normal for them. It's not harmful for us but it could potentially harm the baby. Okay. Um, So that is the point of getting the swab is because if you do have it, the baby could contract it and that could harm the baby. Yes. Um, So what are they going to do differently? So you have it. So, okay. So GBS is negative. We're not doing anything different at this point. Correct. But you end up coming back GBS positive. Mm -hmm. We're talking antibiotics. Yes. So um, you if you are GBS positive, you will get antibiotics in labor. Yes. So there's nothing that they do in those last few weeks of pregnancy different. Um, it's solely when you go into labor, they will give you antibiotics to treat you for your group B strep, even though it is not for the mom, it is to protect the baby. Yep. So baby's coming through that vaginal canal, of course, and that's where we're saying that the bacteria is harboring. Mm-hmm. So those antibiotics, antibiotics are going to protect that baby exactly. from hopefully contracting it, like you said. Yep, exactly. Um, And so there is a goal of the amount of time that they want these antibiotics to be in your body before you have the baby to consider the baby protected. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing to consider and to talk to your provider about is if you do turn out positive for GBS, you are probably going to want to err on the side of showing up to the hospital a little bit earlier so you can get which we need full four hours of those antibiotics in your system to be considered treated. Yes. So you want to just give yourself a little extra time. Yep. Good point. Yes. Um, And then just a side note, if you do have a planned C-section, they don't do anything different for that um, 
obviously because baby's not coming through the vaginal canal during that time. Right. Exactly. Um, and also just because you have group B strep in one pregnancy doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be positive in your next pregnancy. Again, it's a normal bacteria that comes and goes. So you don't always have it. Um, we've definitely seen patients that have had it with one and not any of the others. We've seen people that have never had it, seen people who have always had it. It just, yep. it depends. Nope. You're absolutely right. So that, they will check every single time you're pregnant around this 36 week mark. Um, Another thing they're going to do, so um, get that nice G GBS swab done. Um, they will offer to check your cervix typically when they do that GBS swab since you're already on the table and exposed. Um, and it is not a necessary exam. It's kind of up to you and going forward, it's kind of the same thing. Um, it just is kind of what you and your provider talk about, what you think yeah. think is the right yeah. spot for there. Um and then they will also try to figure out what position the baby is in. So if you do get your cervix checked, there are times where the ba uh, the provider can tell via their exam that they're feeling the baby's head. Yes. Um, if they aren't able to do that, then they can take a bedside ultrasound and just see the baby's position. Okay. So if you're 36 weeks and your baby is still breech, what does that mean? Right? It happens all the time. It does On and happen. off. Um, and we see it. And it, it's okay if your baby is still breech. But you'll be presented with some options. Okay. Um, so what we can do in a hospital setting is what is called an external cephalic version or the other term for it is a breech version. Yep. Um, you are also able to just have um, a scheduled C-section because your baby's not head down. Yes. Um, so it is not safe to purposefully deliver your baby breech because um, your baby's head can get stuck. Your baby's mm -hmm. head is the biggest part of its body. So while the baby comes out of the birth canal and its head comes first, it's the biggest part. And then the rest of the body kind of hopefully just slides, slides out. Yep. Um, if the baby's feet or butt comes out first, there is a potential for the baby's head to get stuck because your cervix can kind of trap down on like where the baby's neck is. Mm -hmm. So yep. it's super scary. Um, so they do not purposefully deliver baby's breech. So C-section or a breech version. Um, and I guess you can kind of talk about what we, we do for a breech version at the hospital. Yeah. So um, if you opt to do the breech version um, is what we call it, um, it's going to be a separate appointment, um, but the appointment is going to be in the hospital rather than the clinic because we're going to be monitoring baby pretty closely. And essentially... Um, the provider will talk you all through this, but, um, in little detail, they are trying to turn that baby externally. So your provider's hands are all over your belly trying to get that baby to go head down. Mm -hmm. Fairly uncomfortable. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, which is why you have the option of just going for a C-section in mm -hmm. case it doesn't work. And not all babies our head down the whole entire pregnancy, and that is okay. Right. So two of my kids, the second two, the troublemakers, um, <laughs> where both of them were breech until 36 weeks. All right. <laughs> so um, at my 36-week appointment with both of them, that was the first time each of them was head down. Okay. So like, we were at the point of thinking like, oh, are we going to need to do a version? And they both flipped. So my second one was a peanut, and like I couldn't tell when she flipped. Like, she was breech one day, head down the next day, breech, head down. Like, she just was all over the place because she was little because of our two-vessel cord. <laughs> but my third one, she flipped the night before my 36-week appointment. I was at work. I was there. <laughs> <You were> there. <laughs> 
and I was charting and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, guys, something's wrong. And everyone was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I am not. I'm going to vomit. Like it hurt so bad, guys. did not look okay. No, it was so painful. And like, all I could feel was like my stomach got like really tight and like, it just felt like the baby was like pushing on every (laughs) spot of my uterus, like breaking it. Like it hurt so terribly bad and I was so uncomfortable and I got to my appointment the next morning and um, my midwife was asking me about it and I was like, oh man, last night at work, like something happened. I don't know what happened, but like the baby was like freaking out. My tummy hurt so terribly bad and she did a bedside ultrasound and sure enough, the baby was head down and had been breached for weeks. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that uncomfortable night was worth it. Yeah, it was worth it, but it hurts. So like, I will be honest, the baby flipping itself hurt. So I can imagine a breech version. Oh, that's a good point. Is uncomfortable when somebody's forcing it to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. So. And like Krista said, um, just from experience from um, when I've talked to other patients, you... I couldn't find that in your Apple Music library, you can... Ignore my watch. <laughs> you um, can't always tell when baby's turning, but I have had multiple patients come in and be like, I think baby turned last night. I, there was a, just a big shift, and I think that's what happened. And sure enough, that is what happened. So, And then another side note, if you are having a scheduled C-section for breach, or if you are having a breach version, um, this is a standard at our hospital. So just kind of make sure at other places they are doing this too make sure they ultrasound you first before they do anything. Yeah. And I, I would assume this is the standard everywhere. Yep. Um, But we have seen it so many times where somebody comes in for that version or they come in for their C-section and all of a sudden that baby's head down. Yeah, it and does. It absolutely happens. Yeah. Best and it case changes scenario. your plans. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> so yeah, just verify that that is getting done before anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, But if you feel like you already planned on the C-section, like if you don't want to change the plans, you already had that planned, they do that. Yep. Just chat with your provider and they'll give you the best options. Yeah. So that's kind of the end of like 36 week visit and things kind of like expect and talk about. And now we start our weekly visits. Fun. Seeing your doctor a lot. Yeah. So you go every single week until you have that baby. Yeah. Living at the clinic and hospital. (laughs) And I feel like these appointments are very, very, very important. One, the baby grows so much at the end of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Like the weight of the baby is just drastically increased. Uh, At the end of pregnancy is where you see a lot of high blood pressure showing up. Yeah. um, And other like different complications, decreased fetal movement. Like there's a lot of things I feel like in those last few weeks that like change um, and things that can start happening. And that is why they have you go every week. Mm -hmm. Um, So... That brings us to like kind of the 37, 38 week appointment. So again, if everything's fine, normal, not super exciting appointments. They, again, make sure that blood pressure is stable. Make sure your weight's doing okay. Dop tone the baby. Um, One thing that they're probably doing now from the last, the whole trimester, but gets to be a little more important at this point, um, is they're going to actually measure your stomach. Okay. So what they'll have you do is you kind of lay back on the table and they take a tape measure. They start at the top of your pubic bone and they'll bring that tape measure all the way to the top of your uterus, which is called the fundus. Yep. Um, the amount in centimeters that you should be measuring should be the weeks pregnant that you are. So you're at your 37-week visit. You should be measuring about 37 centimeters. Okay. Um, your provider will let you know what that means if you're not. Typically they will just kind of measure the baby or do a growth ultrasound or watch it, depending on how off it is. just going to ask, like, what would be the steps? But, yeah, that would make sense that they would probably start looking Yeah, so, like, I had been off by, like, two centimeters 
in some visits and it was fine. Okay. Um, I one time had to get an extra growth ultrasound with my second one because she was a peanut. Um, I was measuring, I want to say at my 39 week visit, I was measuring 33 weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you did um, get a second one then? So I did get an, a growth ultrasound because she was measuring so off. Okay. That I makes tried sense, to talk though. the midwife out of it. It's <laughs> like, are you sure? She was like, Krista? I was like, okay. <laughs> Typical. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Typical nurse. Don't do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that 37, 38 week visit, that's kind of what you're doing. They may offer to check your cervix. Um, and that's kind of an up to you situation. Um, if you feel like you're, you're leaking fluid, they might want to check you out. Um, if you feel like you're contracting a lot, they might want to check you and kind of encourage it. But if things are kind of status quo and you're just waiting to go into labor, I personally don't think it's necessary to get your cervix checked. But again, it is up to you. Yep. So it's basically just that if you want to know where you're at. Yeah. I was the type of person that like didn't want to be discouraged by my cervical check. So I chose not to. Um, other people like to know because they just want to know where they're starting at. Yeah. But to your point, um, if your cervix is closed, that doesn't mean it's not going to change in the next week or so. Right. Or if you're sitting at three to four centimeters, that doesn't mean you're going into labor anytime soon either. So I totally get it. So yeah, if things are status quo, really the cervical exam at this point, 37, 38 weeks doesn't really mean a whole lot. Yeah. So makes sense. Yeah. Um, Other things that we do is we, at this point, are going to go over a labor consent form and every facility is going to have some sort of consent form of interventions that we typically do at the hospital um, for labor. Okay. Um, One example of that would be us um, actually breaking your water for you. Perfect. That's one example. Yep. Um, It's a common example. Yeah. They'll discuss those things and things that might happen and they will have you sign a consent form and then they fax it to your hospital. If it doesn't get done, no big deal. They have them at the hospital too. Yep. It's just nice to be able to discuss those things beforehand. Yep, I agree. Um, And then, really, they might kind of talk about, like, okay, these are the reasons why you should present to the hospital. Like, if you are having these kind of symptoms and you need to get checked out, this is what you should do. Um, If you feel like you're going into labor this is when you should be going to the hospital. They kind of talk those things through with you, too. Yeah, so they're not only going to give you... um the list of reasons that you're looking for, but they're also going to give you a phone number, which I think we've mentioned in the past. Um, I think the majority of hospitals have some form of nurse online mm-hmm. number that you can call and ask questions and then they can tell you what to do next. Um, the other thing we're going to do is have um, an entire separate episode on all those signs and symptoms that you're watching for. So mm-hmm. hopefully you're not questioning things too much at home. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then that brings us to 39 weeks. Fun. You are almost to the end. <laughs> you are almost there, hopefully. <laughs> um, so after our normal everything that we typically do in all these visits, um, they will at this point pretty much always get a cervical exam at this appointment. So you're 39 weeks. Obviously, the baby's coming soon. Um, your due date's in a week. And they either want to see where you're at or make some sort of plan for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, they could offer you what is called a membrane sweep, or you could inquire about it if your um, cervix is at an appropriate dilation um, or place where your provider feels comfortable doing so. Um, so really what a membrane sweep is, um, is while the provider is checking your cervix, what they can do is they will manually use their fingers and they kind of sweep the inside of your cervix. So they take their finger and kind of sweep all the way around the inside, basically kind of separating your amniotic sac from your uterus. Kind of like 
getting that out of the way. Sounds comfortable. It is very painful. <laughs> and I'm a giant wimp, okay? You guys are going to learn this through this podcast. I am a huge wimp. I do not tolerate pain. So I have done it, but, like, I don't think I've ever, like, actually fully been able to tolerate a full membrane sweep. I'm always like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, so they essentially want to get, like, all the way around the cervix. Yeah, okay. exactly. So the goal of doing a membrane sweep is hopefully um, telling your body to kick into labor, kind of mm-hmm. helping you start the labor process. Um, so things that you're going to notice after a membrane sweep is vaginal spotting and cramping. Um, super common for a lot of people to feel all of those things. So when you're seeing spotting, it should be kind of pink. It might be mucusy. Um, it could even be like kind of that brown looking discharge that a lot of women get at the end of their cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are normal. Any large amount of bright red bleeding, not normal. So, Concerning. yep. Know the difference between bright red blood and kind of that pink tinged brown, normal, like spotty looking discharge. Um, and then abdominal cramping. So there's a chance that you just cramp for a while and then things just go away. Yes. The goal is for you to cramp for a while and then kick you into labor. Turn those into contractions. So we have certain providers that are very good at membrane sweeps. And again, it depends on the patient's tolerance of pain. I am a wimp, so I yeah, there was no way mine wasn't were you. <laughs> I just... I wanted it to work so badly, but I'm yeah. just, I'm a baby. Yeah, so. and the, yeah. So from what I've noticed, um, you're gonna get pretty crampy for probably a good couple of hours. If they subside, you know, it was just irritation. Yeah. If they continue, then you're gonna start looking and counting those, all those contractions and exactly. calling them if you have questions. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you do your membrane sweep. You check your cervix. Um, that cervical exam can kind of tell you a lot for future planning. Um, at this point, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it can kind of, like, tell you what the future is going to look like. Like, if you're way dilated already, um, if you're planning for some sort of induction, you wouldn't need any kind of cervical ripening or helping to get your cervix ready. Um, if you're still closed, baby's just not ready to come yet, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yep. Um, most scheduled C-sections occur during 39 weeks. So if you are 39 weeks, your provider is most likely going to schedule your C-section for this week. And that is in hopes that we're going to miss that opportunity for that body to go into labor on its own. Yep, exactly. So we don't want you to get to the point that you go into labor, but we want that baby to grow and be far enough into full term that um, we're not taking that baby out before it's ready. Yeah. So, yep, this is usually the week for like a scheduled breech C-section or if you've already had a C-section and you want another one, um, those kinds of things. Um... Other than that, I feel like they are also going to verify your baby's position again at this appointment. So um, a lot of providers are able to tell when they check your cervix if that baby's head is down. Again, if not, they will do that bedside ultrasound. And sometimes they can um, feel on the outside of your belly too. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll go right above that pubic bone, I mm-hmm. believe. And yep. if they can feel a head, they'll call it good with that too. Yep, exactly. Yeah, there's... um. Especially, I feel like the midwives are really good at They're it. They're so good at they it. They can, like, feel that top of the head and then feel the butt kind of up yeah. higher. And, yeah. Yeah. And then they guess your baby size and they're spot on. It's so weird. Yeah. I'm <laughs> terrible at guessing. Even after I see them, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Same. Oh. Um, so that brings us to 40 weeks. It is your due date week. Happy due date. I hope you've had your baby by now. If not, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> yes. So at this point, um, you're basically going to... Ha- start making plans for an induction. So if you make it to or past your due date, um, 
it is okay. Don't stress out. It Everybody, okay. I feel like, gets to like 36, 37 weeks and they're like, okay, I just want to have my baby. Which like, I completely get it. Like, it, you're exhausted. You are super tired. But there is something to be said about your body carrying your baby for 40 weeks. And like, you grew a human. You did what you needed to do. Your body really is intended to carry a child for 40 weeks. And you did that full 40 yeah, weeks. I was gonna say, it's 40 weeks for a reason. Yeah, like you should be so proud of yourself and proud of your body for doing its job. It did what it needed to do and it grew the cutest little peanut that you're about to meet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you are still pregnant, again, we're gonna start planning like, okay, what should we do for an induction? They'll check your cervix. They can sweep your membranes again, even if you did it the last week. Um, try to do things that way. Um, but they're going to set up a plan because you're getting to the end. You're, mm-hmm. you're past your due date and it's, it's time to have the baby come out. Um, there are some providers that once you get past your due date, they will like you to get maybe another growth ultrasound to make sure that baby is not measuring too big. Sure. Um, and or a NST, um, also called a non-stress test, which, um, they will put some monitors on your tummy and monitor the baby's heart rate just to make sure the baby's um, placenta is efficient and still able to take care of your baby yeah, inside your tummy. Yeah, we want that baby to be tolerating right. what's going on. And if you are one of those people that make it to 41 weeks, one, I'm sorry, because you're probably very, very uncomfortable. Because <laughs> 40 weeks is uncomfortable, but 41 weeks, like, again, we talked about that baby growing so much at the end, like, you are very uncomfortable. Yeah, you got a decent-sized baby in there now. But plus size, this will be your last week of pregnancy, <laughs> no matter what. So... They do not let people go past 40, the end of 41 weeks. Um, ideally, you are delivered by 41 weeks and mm-hmm. six days. Mm-hmm. Um, the reasoning for this is um, your placenta is the only organ in the human body that has that short of a life. So your placenta grows, it lives for 40-ish weeks, and once it gets to 41 weeks, it basically kind of starts dying yeah it's done it's, yeah it's done its job it's done its job and it stops working as efficient um it can get calcification so kind of like hardening um it doesn't pass the blood and the nutrients and the oxygen to the baby as well um once you get past that 41 weeks we notice that some of those babies just don't tolerate labor as well mm-hmm. they don't tolerate deliveries as well and they're bigger so it's harder for them to fit outside of their mom's pelvis um with that being said, there are a ton of babies that are born just fine at 41 weeks, yeah. but this is why we don't go past that. Yep. And this is why we're, you know, watching closely. Exactly. Towards the end. Yep. Because if there's any indication that baby needs to come out, they're, they're going to suggest that sooner. Exactly. Yeah. And that means it is time to have your baby if you have not had your baby. <laughs> so we are done being pregnant, guys. We are done talking about appointments. We are. All right. Um, so hopefully in the future here, we're going to, you know, obviously talk about the labor aspect of things and going further from that. Um, but of course, like I said, we're going to talk about those labor um, signs and symptoms. We're going to throw in some fun episodes and we're just going to get to the the real deal, which I'm assuming all of you guys are wanting this for to listen yes. to. Yeah, the more exciting episodes are now on their way, guys. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned for um, our next few episodes and we are excited to have you guys with us. Yeah, thanks for following still. Thanks for following still.